0: So this morning you are actually going to get part three of Matthew chapter one. Um, this past Friday night it was my intention to have two different points, and as I continued to work on that first point and develop it and develop it, the the, the cut off on that sermon manuscript, the second point, get getting lower and lower and lower, and then no longer was on the page. And instead of turning my 15 minute Christmas Eve homily into a, a 30 minute Christmas message, um, we just postponed part two until, or actually, which is part three, but that second point until this morning. Now, before you get too far ahead of me, though, um, I took that 15 minute point two and I expanded it to 25, 30 minutes for a regular sermon. So put your seatbelt on, buckle up, because here we go. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through 25 now for uh, the third time. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not. He knew her not um, until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. You know, one of life's um, great struggles is to be present in the moment. (laughs) How many of you have ever experienced where you have been engaged in a conversation with somebody and as you're talking to them about something that seems important to you, they every once in a while pull out their phone and they open it up and you can see that they're either checking emails or they start responding to somebody in a text message or you may even see they're scrolling through Facebook as I'm sharing something with them. Why why does that happen? It's hard to be present in the moment. Or perhaps you are married to someone unlike me who's married to a a person who is a multitasker. I was referring to uh, unlike me, I'm not a multitasker, but I'm married to one. And if you're married to a multitasker, this person can be doing five things, ten things, fifteen things, all at once, all simultaneously. um, As you're talking and you're going... How are they hearing every word? They're yet somehow present while doing all of these different things. Or perhaps you've seen these commercials where uh, teenagers, which is now illegal in the state of Georgia, to be holding a phone or texting, but you see these commercials that are reminders that teenagers more than anyone, they are distracted when they're driving and they struggle to be present in the moment of driving and not to see this and not to be thinking about this or not to succumb to that temptation of grabbing the phone. For a young child, there's nothing more special to watch if you take them to Disney or to somewhere and they see for the first time in their presence a Disney character and they smile or they start to cry because they're so excited and they shake truth, truth is this all of us all of us sitting here this morning at some level we are star struck with someone we all have a list whether that list is just one or two or the list is ten we all have a list that if we were if we had the chance to meet them and come into their presence it would alter us for some of you, it may be an athlete, it may be a musician, it may be a teacher at your school that you're starstruck with, it may be the the top uh, PCA pastor in our denomination, it may be a Tim Keller that you're starstruck if you see him. Well, in the story that we read this morning, there's this verse that grabs our attention and it reminds us that... Uh, we should, as God's children, be unbelievably encouraged, and our hearts should be captivated with this unbelievable promise that gives us great ramifications for life. And so the verse that I wanted to zero in on and zone into is Matthew 1, verse 23, which tells us this. Matthew reminds us, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That verse and that verse alone should captivate our our hearts and cause us, much like the wise men, much like the shepherds, to fall down, to rejoice exceedingly with great joy, to worship, to love God, to love others more. And then ultimately, to give sacrificially because, as you all say in the South, you can't help it. It just happens. Emmanuel, God with us. You know, when we think about just that phrase, we're immediately reminded that's not always our reality today. And we're reminded of this this hard truth that life isn't the way it was supposed to be. Life isn't the way it was meant to be. If you go all the way back to the Garden of of Eden and, and we see Adam and Eve, we're reminded that for a brief moment, whether it was hours or days or weeks, we have no idea, but we're reminded that Adam and Eve enjoyed, and just think about this for a second, they enjoyed the perfect peace in presence, in fellowship with God, with them. And then we're reminded that the serpent comes to them and he tempts them. And we hear these words after they succumb to it. They see the fruit. They believe the lie that if we just take one bite of this apple, we too could be like God. And then there's this beautiful passage afterwards. Imagine this for just putting it into that context. Verse 8 and 9. And then they, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That which should have brought such great peace, such great hope, such great joy. Our King is coming. The one who created us and gave us all of this bounty, it should have been captivating their hearts. Instead, what do we see? They hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and... and, and I wish Moses would have put this in here, but I didn't get a vote in this. And the Lord God, who already knew the answer, but we're told the Lord God, who already knew the answer, called to the man and said, where are you? Where are you? Hiding. Hiding from the presence of God because they knew in the pit of their stomach that they had disobeyed him. They knew that they were out of fellowship at that moment. And it's possible that they even wondered, like you and I often do, is he still going to love us? Is he, is he going to hold true to the promise where he told us, if you eat of this, you will surely die. Here's what's interesting. From that event, for the next couple thousand years, as you speed through the history of the Old Testament, God begins to orchestrate event after event after event where he is pushing back against the reality of what Adam and Eve brought upon us. He is orchestrating events that he is pushing back against the curse and rewriting all of the ills of this world. What's interesting to me is you just walk through the Old Testament and if you do just a little study in God's presence with his people, um, it starts out in this weird way as the Israelites are out uh, in the, uh, the wilderness wandering around and we see that God instructs them, I, I want to dwell among you, and I want, to build, I want you to build me a, a dwelling place, a tabernacle. Here are these words that Moses recorded for us. And God says to them, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. I, I hope you see that this is a continuation of grace. It's a continuation of God's good news to his people. His people are in the midst of wandering because they've been punished. And God instructs their leader, I still want to be among you. I still want to dwell. And so they build this this tabernacle, this portable structure, a tent, that they can take with them where the, the, what's called the Shekinah glory just kind of hovers over them. And if the Shekinah glory, the cloud, which is this representation of God's presence, and then also within the ark, if the cloud begins to move, which is the representation of God's presence that provides comfort, it provides clarity, It provides direction, it provides leadership, it provides salvation from the nations that hate them. When God moves, they must follow. The tabernacle that God instructed them to build was a dwelling place of, and I love this Old Testament name of God, was the dwelling place of Yahweh, where God would come and he would meet with Moses. would meet with the priests who would come and it was only the priests that were allowed in to the, the holies of holies once we get to the temple where they would come as the intercessor for God's people. Why? Because even back then it wasn't in the person of Emmanuel they still experienced back then God with us. It's a theme throughout the scriptures that that we see starting with Adam and Eve and continuing on through us today. So it's interesting in that Old Testament that that tabernacle system, that temple system where God would come and he would be represented in those, those were all a foreshadow of what was to come. They were all this type of what we would then experience in John chapter 1 where we have beheld his glory. <laughs> It's not in the form of a cloud anymore. It's not in the form of this this ark of the covenant. But well, we get to this new covenant where the presence of God transitions from a, a temporary building to the permanent person and body of Christ the Savior. We're seeing here for three hundred years, three four hundred. I'm sorry, over three hundred prophecies that had been. Predicted and been given to God's people. A virgin is going to give birth to a baby, and in that baby will be the final answer of the tabernacle and the temple system where God was present with his children. So here we are back to this theme. Emmanuel, God with us. So the Gospel of, Emmanuel, or Gospel of Matthew shows us in three different places, and that's really it. This sense of where, where Matthew fleshes out. This is what it looks like. This is what it means for God, Emmanuel, Jesus to be with us. The first one is in what we just read. It's the birth narrative. It's the birth story, which was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that we would be given a baby that would be Jesus, the Savior of mankind, God with us. And it's so important to remember that when Jesus was born, it wasn't the, the, the beginning of the second person of the Trinity. We're told in John that in the beginning was the word, the Logos, which which was Jesus, the Logos. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus, the Logos, was with God, and he was God. And so Jesus has been preexistent from eternity past. There never was no Jesus. But in this birth, Emmanuel, God with us, we're given a f- the flesh, the physical manifestation of the tabernacle, of the temple system that was given to God's people. And so we see it here in the birth story. God is with us. And he came, Emmanuel, God with us, came to save us, his people, from our sins. This is the the primary reason Jesus was sent on this rescue mission, to save his people from their sins. And, And I think you already know this, but we're saved. If you were to just boil it all down into two categories, we are We are saved by this Emmanuel God with us. We're saved and freed from the penalty of sin. When when Christ begins to work in us and change us through his spirit and we begin to wonder what's going on inside of me, I don't understand. I see my need for Christ. I see a need for the work that he did on the cross for me. And I see the power that was in his spilled blood on the cross. I believe the resurrection. We receive this freedom, this salvation from the penalty of our sins. And it is once, the writer of Hebrew tells us, for all time. We don't have this system of sacrifices and shed blood of animals anymore. It's done. It's secure. It's once for all time. It doesn't matter if you are a son or daughter, if you've been brought into the family of God through your repentance, through your belief, which, by the way, is just a a proof marker that God, God brought you in, but if that happens, take this to the bank. It doesn't matter what you do today or tomorrow. You've been freed from the penalty of your sin, you don't have to pay the price. It's gone. It's removed. There isn't this sense of what, what Christians struggle with so much today. I'm saved. I'm not saved because my sin has disqualified me. I'm back in because I was good. And today my good deeds outweigh me. It's gone. It's removed. But the good news doesn't end there in this Emmanuel, God with us, because not only does he free us from the penalty of our sin, he frees us from the power of our sin. In Christ, his Holy Spirit living into us, that Paul tells us through this question, and I love this question in Corinthians, where he says, you do know, right, that you're the new temple. And you're the new temple because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And that provides freedom from the power of sin. It doesn't provide perfection. It provides freedom in the ability to say, "I, I don't want that anymore. I may still walk back to it every once in a while, but I hate it and I don't want it. I'm not gripped by it. I'm not enslaved by it any longer. And just for fun, I thought we could go around the room and everybody could share with us real quickly. That would not be fun, would it? If we we really understood freedom, we'd do so with great joy. It's it's the old hymn, isn't it? I once was lost, I'm now, I once was blind, I, I now can see. I once was enslaved to this, But Jesus has brought freedom. And sometimes that freedom looks like three steps forward and five steps back. But his mercies are new all day and every day. This this gospel transformation where God in his grace changes lives, it's true. It's real. It's a biblical thing. Have you experienced that? Do you know this freedom? Do you run to this freedom that's yours and drink from that well often? Here's the second thing Matthew gives to us, this picture of Emmanuel, God with us. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting picture, and it's, one, it's a picture that the church never talks about, and it's right in the middle of the book where Matthew lays out before us in chapter 18, verse 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with and among them. You know, that's not a con, the context is not where two or three are gathering, praying, and reading the Bible, and studying, and doing discipleship. They could be involved in that. But the immediate context of chapter 18, verse 20, where Jesus promises, I'm going to be there, in tabernacle and tent among you. You know what the context is? Church discipline. It's this context of Emmanuel, God with us. And hear this. Emmanuel, God with us, to preserve and purify his church. (laughs) He died for the church, and he loves the church. And contrary to what you and I believe, freedom to go do what I want doesn't bring freedom. The ability to go do what I want... And when we take that in the wrong direction and we grab a hold of sin, Jesus loves us enough to say, I'm going to come and I will do whatever is necessary to grab your heart back and to grab you. Not that you've lost your salvation, but you've lost fellowship with me and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Jesus longs to, Albert, if you'd want to throw that back. Oh, I'm sorry, you already got it. Never mind. Good for you. Didn't mean to call out your name he loves his church enough to fix it and not give up on it he will cleanse it he will purify it and sometimes that brings pain and that is for our good here's the third and last way that we see in Matthew's whole gospel where Matthew fleshes out for us Emmanuel God with us and it's at the end of the book in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 and 20 he says Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this third promise, this third benefit that should captivate our hearts is Matthew through. Jesus, through Matthew, promises us, Emmanuel, God with us, when it comes to expanding and empowering his church. Jesus loves his church. He loves it enough to die for it. He loves enough to purify it when it's necessary. And he loves it enough to expand it and to empower his disciples. And he gives us this promise, I am with you always in the context of go, leave your comfort zone, and make disciples of all nations. For some of us, that means making disciples in our own homes. For some of us, that will mean making disciples in, our, in, the, in the vocations that God's called us to. For some of us, that mean making disciples uh, of going on short-term mission trips, walking into the grocery store, standing to the attendant at the gas station, having a weird conversation with the man who has come to set up the new cable system because you cut off YouTube TV. doesn't matter what it is. In this context, go. Live on mission for my glory and the good of those around you. Loving your neighbors as you love yourself take this promise to the bank Emmanuel God with us I will always be with you I will never forsake you what's what's our typical response to that you know, by the way, this isn't just a, a one-time response that happens when we first come to Christ. It's there, but it's this daily response, fighting the world, fighting for our attention and our mind. And here's what we do. We, 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 some of you are still living in this first one, or some of us, because of our captivating hearts towards sin, we go through this process every day where our response to this Emmanuel God with us, to reject him as king... You will not be my king. You will not be in charge. You will not be my authority. I will not bow down the knee to you, Jesus. We did that before we came to him. And we do that today. And his grace is is in abundance calling us. A second way that we respond to this Emmanuel, God with us, is we remain indifferent. Jesus, through his spirit that he has planted within us, is dwelling and tabernacling with us every day, wherever we go. And some of us remain indifferent to that. Life is busy. I've got things to do, places to go, people to see. And we're indifferent to this call, into this beautiful reminder, I'm with you, I didn't leave. Is that you? Were you so busy this Christmas season that you missed the actual gift itself? If you fall into those two categories and if you need help, I'm begging you to come talk to me or come talk to one of our leaders and say, my heart is indifferent and I don't want to be there and I don't know how to get out. Please help. And then you're going to hear something like this because here's a third way to respond to this incredible, beautiful promise of Emmanuel, God with us. Receive. Receive him as Savior. Receive him as Lord. Receive him as King. And that's not just a one-time act. That's something that we do over and over and over. Not because we've lost it, but because we're so prone to wander. What a beautiful reminder on a daily basis to just simply sing in our hearts or even out loud, if you so choose, Jesus, today, you're my Savior. You're my Savior from this world, from the enemy, and you're my Savior from myself. Jesus says, my Savior, you are with me and you're going. You are my Lord. I submit to your authority and your leadership. Jesus, I receive you as king, the one who is sovereign over the whole creation. Receive. And then whatever it is that Holy Spirit then prompts your heart, submit, because he is Lord, because he is king, submit and obey. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for this gift. Thank you for what you have done in coming in tabernacling among us through this gift of your spirit. Jesus, open our eyes to the wonder and the majesty and the glory of those f- simple words, Emmanuel, God with us. Change us with that truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.